How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 92 of Fear Frequency. It's me, Jimmy Champagne, and I'm here, as always, with George Prezard. What's up? Welcome much, man. How you doing? Good. I just finished Breaking Bad and El Camino, and now I'm going to start uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, and the whole Vince Gilligan 2.0 world tour. I'm just I'm checking off all the shows while I'm re-quarantined here in <laughs> beautiful California, the nation's fucking worst state in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) so stupid when we were in michigan for fourth of july remember we went to meyer and we were the only people in there wearing masks it's like you know and then you've got all these people who made it a their political fucking ideology to not wear a mask that's the weirdest thing to me is the bipartisan wearing a mask or not wearing a mask but um uh, governor here in Michigan required masks uh, a couple days ago, maybe late last week. Uh, so have you been to the store since then? Did you collect some data to see if people are wearing masks now? Uh, so the places I've been are Kroger and Lowe's, and both places, pretty much everyone was wearing a mask. I don't think I really saw anybody not wearing one. So, so far, seems fairly effective to me. Do they enforce it at the door? Um, there wasn't, like, somebody there to say... To like turn you away if you weren't wearing one, but there's like signs posted everywhere. So here, which I think is good, I think this is a good thing here. They make they only let X amount of people in any given store, and then they have everyone else wait in line outside, and then they let a certain amount of people in at a time. And if they don't have a mask, they don't let them in. But you know what sucks? The fucking gym closed again, which I don't understand because. The gym is already social distance. The last thing you want to do at the gym is go near anyone or acknowledge anyone or talk to anyone. No one does that. They already had it set. So if you had gloves or no, if you had a mask, uh, you'd be fine. You had to do an hour time slot at the gym and then all the machines were set up. So it was like one machine would be open and then the two next to it would be closed. So it was every other two Then all the weight benches were at least six feet apart and you couldn't use free weights unless you had gloves. And you had to wear a mask the entire time you're in the gym, right? Mm-hmm. That seems pretty locked down to you, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, don't know really how much how much more you can enforce the social distancing and uh, safety precautions than that. Yeah, so they closed those again. So I've been running outside because I started working out. I'm like, I'm not going to just like start it and let it stop again. If we're going back into quarantine, because that just doesn't seem smart. So I've been running outside and it sucks. I fucking hate running. (laughs) It's terrible. But like, how else are you supposed to do cardio? Because I try to ring fit adventure and it's set up to be a weight game, which I don't understand really, because you're going to, you're going to plateau it at a very like early point because you're just squeezing a Pilates ring. It's a set weight and you're only doing three or four different exercises with it. So you're going to plateau with it extremely quick. Obviously, you can't buy your own free weights online because they're sold out everywhere. Yeah, everything's been sold out forever. Yeah, so it's like I'm already... Like, a year of my our lives, George, is gone. Just down the fucking <laughs> shitter. Which sucks, right? Yeah, obviously. So I don't want to be this, like, slob when I come out of quarantine. I want to be ready to go. I want to be ready to do stuff, you know? Right. So I got to stay at least a little in shape. It, it's because... Even if you keep the calories down while you're sitting inside, unless you're doing a little bit of activity, your metabolism is just going to turn off. So you could eat like 
the right amount of calories to lose weight and completely not lose weight because your body's like, I don't need to burn calories if I'm not fucking walking around and doing shit. Yeah, I mean, even the little bit of walking around the office or, you know, whatever people were doing in their day-to-day lives is much less so than normal activity now. Is anything closing in Michigan again, or is it just masks are mandatory? Um, Masks are mandatory. There's certain restrictions on bars. They they can be only outdoor seating if they get 70% of their revenue from liquor sales, but breweries and wineries can operate as normal, so... Some weird contradictions there, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That happened while I was home. They closed down all the anything that sold over seventy percent alcohol. Right? Was it, it was like closed. if you made seventy percent of your revenue from liquor sales, then you had to only have outdoor seating. And then we went to like multiple breweries, obviously with our masks on. Yeah, and apparently those are different, so those can operate as normal with people inside and outside. They don't have liquor licenses. They have like brewery licenses, so they're just not covered by a law that definitely was written to cover them yeah really strange so not sure how that works but living with it i know in michigan people were getting to the point where they were just saying like fuck it i'm going i'm gonna open my business up uh stop me if you want right like that was like a big thing there were definitely certain um certain counties and and areas where even the sheriff was like i'm not gonna enforce the rules so if you don't want to wear a mask i'm not going to do anything about it or if you want to open your business that's not supposed to be open, I'm not going to make you shut it down. So there's there's been some weird politics around here for sure. It's just crazy now that in March we were like, okay, long, like stretch goal here is to have it fixed by June. Like that would be crazy if it lasted that long. <laughs> and now we're halfway through July and it seems like we're essentially back at square one. But because they let so many things open up, it's like once you uncork the bottle, you can't put the cork back on, you know? Yeah, really. Uh, it's going to be really weird, I think, until there's like an official vaccine. Yeah, and people are saying like, oh, yeah, like we got to start thinking about what we're going to do like next holiday season. Like, If it lasts that long, there's going to be a lot bigger problems to deal with. Right. Then what are we going to do for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then Halloween will be a different story then, too. It's it's so weird. It, and then movie theaters are kind of open. Like, they put Empire Strikes Back back in theaters. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. Was that and uh, there was something else, something old that was number one, in the, number one or close to number one in the box office. Something like Goonies or something, I think, was up there as well. You know, I was kind of feeling ambitious when they said they were going to open up movie theaters. But now I'm like, no, there's no way. I'm not going back to a movie theater unless it's half capacity masks enforced so like if the alamo draft house decides like they're safe to open i know they're probably going to go like all in on doing everything right yeah exactly. so i'll wait i'll wait for that but, but i wouldn't trust a big chain like amc or anything like that just yet yeah and a lot of people are like oh when they open up the theaters even like they're gonna start showing new movies again it's like no if the movie theaters only at half capacity they're gonna hang on tight to whatever they got like tenant for example because they want to make as much money as possible. Right. So it'll just possibly push uh, the big movies back even further. Yeah, we're already starting to see the effects in the horror world. Because, like, obviously you've got all these different companies. What? Full Moon. Full yeah. Moon releasing, yes, I yes. think. They did, like, a they took a zombie movie they already had. And, like, shot a couple new scenes for it. And called it Corona Zombies. <laughs> so you've got trash like that coming out. 
and then you've got nothing else pretty much in the horror realm there's like no news and most of it is bad like the biggest news that's happened in the past few months with horror is that halloween got delayed a year which is like not good news from most perspectives you know exactly so I think it's going to be a weird few months. But honestly, it felt like there was just too much stuff coming out anyway. Like, it felt like there was a new random-ass movie being dropped on VOD every week. So maybe maybe the reset will be good for the horror genre, I kind of hope. I mean, I think it could possibly spur more smaller companies like IFC Midnight uh, to kind of start going back to releasing, like, really super low-budget stuff, which is kind of a double-edged sword, but could give us a lot of those hidden gems that that we've kind of been pining for 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 years yeah i'm glad ifc midnight is like a fighting chance in the box office right now it's only like they've never had yeah seriously uh, i know beyond fest out here which is a festival i usually like going to when they do it at the egyptian theater they're doing like drive-in showings of horror movies they did a double feature of jaws and something else so if they keep doing that i'll definitely go check one out out here yeah definitely that'd be cool yeah but drive-in's got to be really happy about everything that's going on so uh we can get into the news though we actually do have a couple stories joe bob he's getting a third season and a summer sleepover special this august obviously it just ended the second season so they're going to air it in 2021 And then Joe Bob said, I can't believe it's only been two years since that first marathon called The Last Drive-In. To have a third season and continue to experience the love and encouragement that daily pours out of the Shudder community is more than I could have ever hoped for. It's been a very difficult year for all of us, but I hope we can continue to be a little oasis where people celebrate holidays and weekends and that special family feeling that only horror fans know. That's pretty much exactly what Joe Bob was. We were watching it every Friday on discord with our friends yeah exactly and it was like the only normal thing and that was actually fun we were doing for a while yeah our weekly tradition of just staying up till like two four in the morning and watching a couple shitty horror movies was like the highlight of my week for season two (laughs) yeah we watched it with our friends ethan and grayson and if you're in the discord they're childish sinatra and e-trept and it, so George and I, guaranteed, made it through every single one. The only week I missed was the Mayhem week. So we only missed one week of the show. And George and I would make it through both movies, no matter how late George had to stay up. <laughs> and Ethan would be like, either he would make it to 10 seconds of the first movie and then be gone. <laughs> or he would stay up later than both of us. Exactly. It's a real real coin toss for that one. And then Grayson is just like, at some point you notice that his headset is muted. And you're like, <laughs> oh, he fell asleep. <laughs> but it was still really fun. It got a little weird in the middle of there where there was like this kind of ridiculous takedown campaign against Joe Bob where a lot of bad faith arguments were happening. And I didn't like that very much. And it kind of made me nervous for a third season even happening so i i was actually kind of scared like me and you both thought it was going to get canceled yeah i thought there was a a real possibility that joe bob was gonna get canceled and and i was pretty worried about that did we talk about that on the show no i i think that was just our our own personal dilemma that we. no i think we i think we did no i don't think we talked about getting canceled but i think we talked about all this argument that was going on and i think where we came down was like yeah it's fair to like expect acknowledgement of when people are wrong and some of the stuff joe bob had written in the past was wrong but they were like purposely ignoring apologies he had already done multiple times for that kind of stuff 
and ignoring explanations he had given for that stuff. And then a lot of the articles that were being passed around were like, here's this rapist. Here's this uh, <laughs> yeah. other guy who's like a sexual criminal. And then here's Joe Bob who wrote an article in 1995 that I find kind of offensive. And they would make the header image Joe Bob. And it was just like, like, is this really, you really want to be that person? But just completely ignoring the fact that this is literally the anchor of Shudder. Yeah, definitely. This is biggest property. Like, not only is it their bread and butter in terms of content that people probably regularly watch, but it feeds their uh, catalog in terms of, like, whatever Joe Bob wants to show, I would assume those films, regardless of if they watch the Joe Bob special or not, are probably some of the more viewed content on the site. Yeah, and it's like, I don't personally have a problem with people wanting more progressive-themed horror, but... From most accounts, you're getting it. You know, like all of these movies that are coming out, like Relic and The Witch and anything A24 makes, essentially. The Lobster, I guess you could count a ghost story. You know, these deep, introspective movies that make people question who they are and look at things that we see as monsters in different lights. Like, you're getting those movies, and those are some of the biggest, most talked-about horror movies around. And Shudder itself has had tons and tons of different genre films, horror films, or foreign films, tons of stuff that's in the realm that they're asking for. I just don't understand where this, like, very pointed hatred of Joe Bob came from. And the weirder thing is, that was, like, the third time the person who started the whole thing tried to cancel him. Second or third time. And I was just like, is it really bothering you this much that something you don't like is liked by a lot of people? And to be fair... A lot, like not a lot, there is a part of Joe Bob's community, which is like super rednecky, Trump supportery assholes. The whole situation sucked. And long story short, it's good to see that he's coming back for a third season. And they're doing another event called Summer Sleepover in August that was filmed pre-quarantine with Adam Green. And it's going to premiere on August 14th at 9 p.m. So that should be cool. It's like a double feature. And we were just talking a couple weeks ago, I think about like Adam Green, like what's he got going on after Victor Crowley. So maybe he'll announce something like a new movie. But either way, I think that'll be cool. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't so sure about the the guest aspect that that they were kind of pushing in this season, where they were having more than than just Joe Bob talk about the movies. But mm. a lot of them were actually really enjoyable. Like Lloyd Coffin was like hilarious. One of the, one of the, my highlights of the this season. Um, that was why we were scared it was going to get canceled because <laughs> when all of this came to a head that that was the week Lloyd Kaufman was on and he is like out there which I don't think is unfair to yeah, say definitely a weird guy for sure a weird and we were guy. like oh god okay <laughs> but the, it all worked out so that's good yeah I'd be happy to see more guests like that I think that would uh, really be cool and I'm excited to, that he's got a third season and I'll be up for that uh, what was that called the summer summer sleepover it's just a double feature so i'm assuming like it's got to be hatchet right like hatchet or victor crowley would be one of the movies yeah probably i don't know what the other one would be maybe the burning or something slumber party massacre oh yeah that'd be a good one it's called summer sleepover unfortunately it looks like they're not going to do a halloween christmas or thanksgiving special this year obviously because of the whole quarantine thing so that's cool but tend to announce those things separately so maybe there's still a chance that we could see at least a Halloween one. If it would feel really weird to not have a like a Halloween event from Joe Bob. Yeah, I don't know. 
how quick the turnaround time is for these. Like, I don't know how far in advance they shoot any of these episodes. So, I mean, if they are preparing and figuring out protocols for how they need to shoot season three, uh, you know, and be safe, uh, I, I could see them, like, figuring out those rules and still filming something before October, assuming that the turnaround time is not, you know, extremely long. So that'd be really cool to see. Their set doesn't look like it has that many people on it, you know, like... Yeah, it's, it's like, a pretty lean yeah, production. Yeah, it's like a couple people, a couple cameramen. That's about it. I'm really glad he's coming back. Also because Darcy started to host a little bit more, and she actually did a really good job. So I'd like to see that get like just more people with Joe Bob that he can that can bounce questions off of him or vice versa. Yeah, because especially the Hellraiser one stood out a lot. Having Doug Bradley. Yeah, on there. he was a really good guest. Um, Having Darcy host the episode with Hogzilla was awesome. Oh, that was great. Uh, just just a lot of cool highlights in season two. The next piece of news here is that there's a new Bigfoot movie coming out this August, and it comes out on August 11th on VOD. And I was expecting, obviously, I don't think this is going to be controversial, some like bottom-of-the-barrel tier <laughs> Redbox-style movie that you buy at the gas station. But I watched the trailer, and it actually looks pretty good. Did you watch the trailer for this? Yeah, I was watching it uh, just before we started recording. Um, it looks pretty good. I think they're. it looks, like you are saying, pretty low-budget. Like You can clearly tell some of the effects are you know, not the best that you've ever seen in your life but i mean i'm I'm always down for something stupid and fun like this <laughs> yeah. so it's called monstrous and the plot synopsis is sylvia a lonely 20 something goes searching for answers after her friend mysteriously vanishes in whitehall new york an adrianic town known for its bigfoot uh bigfoot sightings she sets off with a mysterious charming young woman alex hell-bent on getting to whitehall for different reasons <laughs> that's a pretty funny sentence <laughs> sylvia soon learns that hiding in the woods is an evil more sinister than she could ever imagine sylvia soon learns that hiding in the woods is an evil more sinister than she could ever imagine that's weird to call bigfoot an evil just call him bigfoot yeah why, why do they make that so hard to read and also why is he evil he seems pretty nice to me he's just leaving yeah. alone he's trying to hang out in the woods they're bugging him exactly you go into his house and you expect him not to make you get out i don't get it they're trespassing well i I wrote this down so we can watch it for the episode that falls on her around August 11th. <laughs> so that's it for the news this week. Thanks to uh, the virus. That's all we got for you guys. <laughs> we got Joe Bob coming back, which is good. And then we've got a new VOD Bigfoot movie. Which could be good and could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we actually have quite a few movies and games to talk about this week, though. I'll start with The Beach House. You watch this too, right? Yeah, we both watched this. This is the new uh, Shutter exclusive that just just dropped like uh, last week or the week before. Yeah, and this is a standout movie because it's a Shutter original that has like a decent budget, decent actors, and it's in English. So if you've been looking for a new summer movie, this is one to check out. It kind of just showed up on Shutter. I guess people saw it last year at a film festival. What did you think of it? Because it's a very Lovecraftian movie. So I feel like this is this is you. Yeah. Um. I, I totally loved the setting and the extra, like, super supernatural weirdness of it. Um, it's basic, you know, the basic premise is uh, this couple, the the boyfriend in the relationship has, his dad has this beach house. They go there for the weekend to kind of unwind and relax. There's this other couple there that knows uh, his dad and 
they start hanging out with them and there's this weird fog that comes in through the town and all these weird creatures start showing up and all these weird uh, mystical like lost time and weird things are happening to everybody and all that I was really into. I just think the movie is extremely, extremely slow paced for the first like <laughs> 35 minutes and I feel like they could have really cut that up, like cut that back and I would have loved to see like some actual really weird looming uh, Lovecraftian monsters at some point in this movie that we never really got. Yeah, the movie's 87 minutes long, and it feels like it's two and a half hours because of the first act. It is. That's probably my biggest issue, is that the first act is so slowly paced and like pretty uninteresting, generally. Like I don't really think... Yeah, none, none of the characters are very good. Right. The guy Randall, really weak performance, if you ask me. Also, he's just like the greasiest dude I've ever seen. Like the... <laughs> The costume design was terrible and it's like a summer beach trip and they've got his girlfriend, Emily, who's technically the main character. She spends 90% of the movie in multiple layers of long sleeve shirts <laughs> and long pants and stuff. I thought that was kind of odd. Uh, I was just, I just thought the, just the costume direction overall, just the way the characters looked was just, it didn't, it felt like I was watching a movie. Yeah. Not like it was a, a real, <laughs> a real thing you're watching in front of you. I mean, it, yeah. I think Emily was, like, definitely the standout performance of the movie. Like, once she kind of has something to do, she is pretty interesting to watch and does a lot of, like, cool, inventive things uh, in the world. Yeah. The body horror is really cool, and the visual effects are awesome. It's it's worth it almost just to watch it for those scenes. Like, the footworm, uh, like, all the weird things that wash up on the beach. I mean, there's just all kinds of weird, interesting, practical effects and and weird visuals that if you're a lovecraft fan i think you're really gonna dig yeah there's really cool visual effects the stuff washing up on the beach is where it's really gross and creepy i love that and yeah the worm in the foot that's what everyone's talking about the kitchen scene i can see why everyone's talking about that there's also this really cool part later in the movie in its second of two acts this movie's like two acts right it jumps right. straight from the first act into the third act and Honestly, I think it would be better served as a short film because everything the first half hour of the movie covers is they get to the house. There's people there. That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and that's kind of why, why I think the first act is so painful is because it takes so much time. But the time that it takes isn't effectively setting anything up or telling us anything that we need to know later on in the movie. It's literally just filler like <laughs> that. It needed to be 87 minutes. They were like, well, we have this much movie and we need to basically fill the rest in right and it felt like they were like well they need more of a reason to be here other than the fact that it's a beach house this kid's dad owns it's like no that's a great reason for them to be there because they're fucking dating yeah exactly like they're they're a boyfriend and girlfriend and then they're like no we need to make randall who's presented as the main character for the first half of the movie the biggest douche on planet earth so they get to this house and they have their, their great relationship. And then he's like, yo, babe, I think it's bullshit that you want to go to grad school. We should move to this house. And she's like, but yeah, I, I want to do grad, grad school. And he's like, yo, that's fucking weak. <laughs> that's never addressed again. It's just like, oh, so we're we supposed to not like him? Like, what's what's the deal with making him so unlikable? I don't really understand because they spend most of the movie teamed up with each other. And he also shows his weird, like, it, it just feels like there's a weird chip on the writer's shoulder against 
people who would have a beach house because once he realizes that his dad's friends are there, uh, they all eat, do edibles and then the wife of the lady who's there uh, disappears, right? Right. And he's like, yo, the, the, the guy who's there, Mitch, he's like, yo, wh- where's my wife? Did you see her? And then Randall's just needlessly a huge dick. <laughs> he, he was like, I don't know. He just walked out the front door, stupid. That's <laughs> like, that's like, I don't know. I thought that was really weird characterization. And Emily's written to be, I, I, I guess they wanted it to seem like Emily was like becoming herself, you know, like she was hiding something. But she just comes off as just really submissive and like cowardly in the first half. And I, it just doesn't make her whole rise to heroin believable to me Mm -hmm. but once bad shit starts happening to her and stuff kind of goes off she's sort of forced to open up a little bit obviously and i I think that's when it starts working as pacing is really weird for me in this movie i think pacing is its biggest problem but you're right it seems like they had a big budget for practical effects and things popping off and that's the coolest part of the movie it's like you know do you remember we watched it a long time ago the void yeah i like that yeah I like The Void, but I also have big issues with The Void. <laughs> kind of like this movie. There's so many good things with The Void. Like, the hospital setting is great. The practical effects are great. The but cult every is so cool. In that movie, yeah, <laughs> the cult ideas of it, the effects. But every character in that movie is feels like a movie character, which is bad. And they're all assholes for no reason to everyone in the movie. It's like, I don't, I don't feel bad when Randall dies. Spoiler in this movie. I'm like, okay asshole gets what's coming to him but he wasn't that big of a dick so i just was frustrated yeah i was like well does he deserve to die no (laughs) but does he necessarily deserve to live it is a movie obviously so i don't know like that's how i was on him. am i upset that he's not in the last whatever 20 minutes not particularly (laughs) do i wish him death no (laughs) my favorite part of the movie is when emily turns on the radio and talks to the cop and uh she's like oh this fog's here and he's like it's not fog and you're like what is it i like that it doesn't tell you what any of this stuff is like i like that you can't comprehend it yeah that's totally lovecraft is the like extraterrestrial super weird out there stuff which is like also like i i really wish there would have been something like that scene where she looks out on the lake after seeing like all the you know it's super foggy there's like all that stuff washed up on the beach like, imagine if there was just, like, a 70-foot giant monster way off in the horizon. Like, way off in, like, the fog. How cool would that have been? It would be cool if it if it blended into the sky. Like, if it if you could just barely see it, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. not even, like, barely perceivable. Just for, like, if you're looking for it, you could see it. Yeah, it'd be really cool. And it seems like they have the talent to do that, the people who worked on this movie. Because the practical effects are amazing. That... That shot of all of the weird they they look like uh they look like dumplings yeah kind of <laughs> but the, also like they look like they look like uh man of war jellyfish made out of human skin and there's a shot of them like lining down the beach that's awesome thought that was great there's also really haunting imagery like Mitch just showing up and then walking out into the ocean and just being dead yeah there there's some really cool weird stuff like that um the one of the really interesting like problem solving bits of the movie that i thought was cool was obviously like this fog basically corrupts your mind and it makes you go crazy so what they start doing is like using a scuba tank to breathe as they're walking around oh that which you just reminded which me yeah okay. ca- kind of flips the whole 
environment on its head where outside is essentially like an underwater environment now, like an under the sea, you know, Lovecraftian setting, which I just thought was like really clever and cool. And you know what's so dumb about that? When she gets in the car and is still has the uh, air tank and she's like breathing into it, right? Yeah. And then for no reason, she loses consciousness it. and crashes the car because they realized they needed to extend the runtime of the movie. There was like, that was so unwarranted. She, I just, I hate movies like this where the character uses their brain and figures out how to get, you know, get farther along in their little plot of escape. And then the switch is flipped where stuff that's completely out of their control and is completely unbelievable happens to them. Like you've already established the rule that she can use the air tank to breathe. Like why is she passing out and crashing the car? Right. Like let her go at that point. It's like what they say, like you don't introduce a gun in the first act and unless, unless you're going you to fire it. it in right. the third act. Yeah. That just felt like, felt like needless right. table like, dressing. For plot reasons, they have to make something else happen. Like, I, I think that's basically the issue. Like you were saying, this movie would have worked a lot better as like a 30 minute short because they could have just condensed everything that was really good and put that together instead of having all this useless filler and these weird plot decisions that kind of undermine the cool things they set up previously. Right, because if you're going to take a concept like that and stretch it over 90 minutes or less, you have to have characters that are well-written enough and well-acted enough to like support that decision. And no one in this movie really is. Honestly, Mitch is. That dude's like a pretty big actor. The guy who plays Mitch. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and he's... You could tell he's like trying. When he comes on set, like when he comes on screen... He feels like he's believing in his role. And I guess Randall, to some extent, feels more like a person just because he's kind of a dick, which you don't really see a main character like that in movies. But other than that, like Jane, Mitch's wife, just felt like yeah, she was just going through the motions. Character. Yeah. And uh, Emily just felt like she was just reading the script and doing exactly what it said instead of like really buying into her own character to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked, like I said, I liked... Basically, when she has things to do, I feel like she is pretty interesting. Um, but really, like, not performance-wise was she that interesting. I mean, as a Shudder original, this is one of their better ones for sure. I know we just dumped on it a lot, <laughs> but, like, there is really cool stuff in it. It's just hard to talk about what's good about it other than the fact that, like, it looks cool. Because we're on a podcast, right? We can't... Right. Like, how many, how much good stuff can we say about, like, the practical effects are awesome, the body horror aspects are awesome... The fog effects are great. There's a cool zombie guy in the basement in one scene that looks really cool. But it, it literally is all style, no substance. Yeah, It's just like The Void in that sense. And I'd argue that The Void is better because it has even more practical effect work that's really cool. Yeah, and is um, shot better. <laughs> yes. Another movie that's just like this is Terrifier, right? Where it, feel, it feels like an extended reel for the practical effects guy. Yeah, totally. Like this is one that so, he's gonna have on his resume and nobody else. Um, I I liked it. I'd give it. I gave it a solid three out of five. If two point seven five was an option, <laughs> I'd give it that. Like two point five seems really harsh because like what they did, they did really well with the effects and just the scarier aspects of it. Mm. Uh, but it definitely dropped down pretty far for me just because I couldn't I couldn't empathize with any of the characters. I couldn't get on board with any of their motivations, and the best actor in the movie is spends most of it walking around aimlessly or disappeared and then just walks into the ocean. Right. I think that's a fair score. I think that's like a good, like a generous three star is a, a good 
a good score for this one. De- I definitely recommend it. I think if you have nothing else to watch, you're looking for a decent Lovecraftian beach movie, this is one to watch. Um, yeah, and then watch um, Underwater after it because it would pair really well with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I just like it's one. Of, I think I said in my review like I wouldn't revisit it, but it was fun. Yeah, Pretty like I, I might come back to it if I'm really in the mood for something Lovecrafty in like a a year or so. But it's definitely not something that's gonna be on my radar or will be that memorable for me. Also, another movie I put on here is Relic. I followed this up right after with Relic, and I think I was just like, I was too. I watched too much headspacey horror <laughs> so i started relic after hearing it was like an incredible ifc midnight movie and it's i'm gonna i didn't finish it i just couldn't handle it really i was like i can't think about a movie right now mm-hmm. so i turned it off and i'm gonna go back to it but what i saw was shot really well the setup is uh kind of interesting there's like a, a mom and a daughter and then the grandma has dementia and they get a call from uh the police and they're like yo uh the grandma's gone uh, she has dementia you guys want to like do something about that so they go they go to her house grandma's obviously gone and she just shows up one day a couple days later and it just kind of breaks down from there and it's obviously a very strong metaphor for like decay and dementia but it, it feels a lot like hereditary and um the babadook so if you're into those kind of movies i would recommend it I'm going to go back and rewatch it. I'll let you guys know what I think of it. But I also watched The Wretched again. And that movie's great. Like, that that movie is legitimately great. It's a movie I'll watch more. I did notice, like, some stuff that bothered me again the second time around. The main thing that really gets me with that movie, dude, is the whole giving him a little brother. The main character, Ben. I feel like it overcomplicates the movie when it definitely doesn't need to. That, that definitely is a weird plot point. This is something I'm, I'm going to revisit this movie for sure when the Blu-ray comes out. But I, I really like this movie. I thought this was, so far, kind of the uh, the underdog pick for this year. And the ending, I was just like, oh, really? When they hint that Mallory turns out to be the witch. Like, the witch is pretty definitively dead <laughs> by the end of that movie. Yeah. That was just an unnecessary state. That was just kind of uh, if they had the opportunity to revisit it. So if they're going to make The Wretched 2, it's a possibility. Right. It just felt like such a wild swing back from this extremely happy ending. You know, the dad's like, well, my new girlfriend's dead, but thankfully my (laughs) ex-wife's taking care of me. And Ben's like, you know what, dad? Whatever happens with you and mom happens. We're good. And then they drive off. He kisses the girl. That's like extremely happy. And then they swing so hard back the other way with Mallory in a boat with like six kids and then looking directly at the camera. And you're like, oh oh okay i guess she's the witch plastic flower dead giveaway yeah it was it was a bold choice um but i also noticed there's that shot when the witch is choking out ben's dad and then the witch hand comes out of the wrist and grabs his face that was awesome that was just such a cool effect that i didn't notice the first time around and then i also noticed a michigan easter egg when the dad is cooking dinner when ben shows up at his house he makes coney dogs gotta love a coney dog Real yeah. real hometown hero there. You watched Hannibal again, the whole show. Yeah. How did that go? Yeah, so this was recently uh, added to Netflix. This is, Hannibal's one of my favorite shows of all time. And it's been a while, I think this is, it's been a while since I rewatched it. Probably my third rewatch of the show. Um, but I recently finished it. And that show is just 
so good start to finish amazing like the production level of that show is so insanely off the charts that i cannot believe this was on nbc it makes zero sense to me <laughs> that this show looks this good and was on like a public network like that i watched it as it was coming out and i i can't agree with that more it's ridiculous it's something like fargo like fargo has no right to look as good as it does but that's a cable channel like nbc is a network tv station and that show this show looks on par with something like hbo you were telling me um when we were talking about it off the podcast that you were kind of iffy on the monster of the week setup so that to me that's just sort of weird like they don't really revisit it much past the first season it's like primarily in the first season a little bit in the second season um but kind of the formula they follow is will graham is like sort of one of the main characters suit of the suit of the protagonist and his ability is like basically he has he can empathize with anybody so he's really good at solving murders because he can like put himself in the killer's shoes and visualize a murder and figure out their motivations and all that so for a lot of the episodes, they'll have him basically solve a murder that's relevant for that episode, but then also have, like, the move along the larger plot. And, like, to me, I think they could have done that, like, once, and we as the audience would understand, like, okay, he can empathize with people, we get it. I don't think it really needed that, like, every episode in season one. I feel like it was sort of a moot point. That we knew he had this ability. We don't need to see these like really weak characters that are like so very few and far between cool when really all we want to see is like Will Graham and Hannibal and all these like characters that we come to really enjoy like interacting with each other. So I know Mads Mikkelsen, right? He's a he's a he's a household name now here in America. Do you do you think it was Hannibal that really launched him? I think it was, but the weird thing is no one really watched Hannibal. So like what what popularized Mads Mikkelsen? Because you know Casino Kojima found him. Oh, Casino Royale. That's it. I was trying to think about it. Yeah, he's the bad that's guy in Casino Royale. Yeah, that's got to be it. But he's perfect as Hannibal. I mean, how- He's an amazing actor. Yeah. So good. Like, you follow up uh, Anthony Hopkins, right? Or is- yeah. Anthony Perkins is psycho. Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I always mix them up in my head. You follow him up and do a good job to the point where you get like endless praise for it and countless petitions to bring back your show. That's that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is like so insane in that show. I mean it's like he's ridiculously charismatic. He's like extremely well put together. He's exactly what you would assume like this character would be like. Uh it just like completely nails that character in every every facet of the word i mean i just completely love his portrayal as hannibal and um i think hugh dancy is who who plays uh will graham and he is like equ- equally as good like equally as interesting to watch not not equally as good as a character but equally as like interesting to watch and just like how their relationship changes and how all these like main cast of characters is like so scarred and fucked up by the end of the third season is so cool to me like I would love to see this show come back in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it's constantly at the top ten on Netflix now, which is which is impressive, because they Netflix has been putting out great shit for once. They've had endless great things between Unsolved Mysteries being so popular, Outer Banks was so popular, that Jeffrey Epstein documentary was so popular. You know, they've had so many hit after hit with people, 
and then Hannibal is rising to the top. I feel like it could come back. Yeah, I mean, there's, I would assume, I mean, Netflix obviously has the money. They rebooted countless shows. I mean, they give like really shitty shows extra seasons. Like Lucifer got an extra season from Netflix. So like, if you're gonna do that, oh yeah, Lucifer. Like, come on, you, you could do it for Hannibal. If everybody comes back, I I would be so on board for a season four of Hannibal on Netflix. Yeah, because they could go a little darker with it and do stuff that they couldn't really do on network TV. But they still... I mean, they really don't pull any punches right. with this show. There's insane amounts of gore. There are, like... Like, one of the cooler Monster of the Week villains is a guy who has... Basically, what it boils down to is when he kills people, he, like, strips their back into two giant wings... And then like hoist them up and p- places them in like religious poses, and like I w- I was so shocked that you could even show that on NBC. They pull no punches with the gore in this show. The other thing people were always freaked out about was how like good the food looked. The food looks amazing. <laughs> Hannibal's an amazing chef in the show. I mean, it's right. like everything about it is so well made. Like you, c- the craftsmanship of the show is like unparalleled to me. This is yeah. To me, like, in terms of, like, production value, writing, like, just how tight it all is, is, like, you just can't beat it. It's definitely one of my favorite shows, and and the rewatch just confirmed that for me. Don Mancini wrote a lot of the episodes on that show. Yeah. Yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that weird? Hopefully that means his uh, Chucky show will be good, right? He also wrote some episodes of uh, Channel Zero, which... In terms of tone, all the seasons of that show are very similar tone to Hannibal. Like, just very subdued, like, brooding, right. dark horror. Yeah, definitely. So, like, Don Mancini's got some chops. I don't know if Nick and Tosca worked on Hannibal, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know Brian Fuller is the mastermind behind that show, right? Yeah, I think he was, Pretty like, sure. the main showrunner. Lawrence Fishburne's character always felt like the odd man out to me. He just, like, shows up. He's a little too, like, wacky to, to me, which is weird because he's not a wacky character. He's not played for laughs, but he's just so much, so much more animated compared to every other character on that show that he just kind of sticks out to me. Yeah, I, I could kind of see that. I mean, the Mason Verger character is, like, in my opinion, the most animated and the most, like, cartoonish. But um, okay. is that who he is? I forgot. I, have, no, I haven't rewatched. No, it. Mason Verger is the guy who shows up. Oh in, like, yeah, yeah. He's two. like the Joker. He's like <laughs> yeah. the fucking Joker. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> what does he do? He gets his face burned off or something, or he cuts his own face off. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Okay. Cuts his own face off, <laughs> and uh, his like introduction to the show is like his. He likes to make people cry, and then he like collects their tears on little napkins and puts them in his martini and drinks them. Like he's just like so cartoonishly evil. Uh, but so fun to watch is he an original invention for the show or is he from the book no i think he was in so this this is another interesting it's interesting thing about the show is it basically covers everything but silence of the lambs it covers both uh red dragon and hannibal and bits of hannibal rising because i think mason verger was in hannibal rising which is like the sequel so they pull bits from like everything that wasn't the one book that they didn't get the rights for but they they put it together in like a very interesting way and so much so that like you you barely miss the sounds of the lamb story at all i feel like it'd be flying a little too close to the sun to do that anyway even though that's what they're building towards in season three 
Like, you know season four would have been that. Yeah. And I feel like they could have done it, but I feel like there would also be potential for that to not work out. Yeah, like, it'd be weird to have basically another Will Graham character that's, like, the, you know, the person who he sympathizes with and, like, talks to and can, like, get inside of his head. Like, we've already had that character for several seasons. To introduce somebody new at that point, especially when, like, the relationship between Will and Hannibal is, like, so insane by the end of the third season that it it would just feel weird to add, like, an extra character who's supposed to be, like, the new protagonist, basically. Yeah, it's like adding in Todd in season five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, who, who are you? <laughs> like, you? You're not welcome here. This isn't a club for you. <laughs> but to be fair, Todd ended up being a real fucking creep-ass villain. <laughs> Todd gets so fleshed out in El Camino that it makes him legitimately terrifying to me. He's so dark. It, the weird thing I is that like his demeanor is like... That it's, he doesn't even phase him. Like, nothing phases him. So no. he's just so yes. evil. That's why he's so dark. <laughs> right. Like, it's, when his cleaning lady is just dead. And he's, and he's, I don't even think he says why he killed her. He's just like, oh. And then, uh, oh no, Jesse's like, so you killed her because she caught you doing something? And he's like, no, she was an incredible cleaning lady. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, Jesse is being kept in this fucking concrete cage underground, outdoors. And Todd's like, I had to pull a lot of strings, but we're going to have a good weekend together. <laughs> like, Jesse pulls a gun on him, doesn't give a fuck. He's like, thanks for giving me the gun back. I'm going to get you some pizza and a beer. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then they go back to Todd's house, and Jesse goes to the bathroom. And Todd's just like, do you like my room? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Weird. Very creepy. Very dark energy. I like Todd. extremely dark energy cronies is like surrounding family members and that lady i forgot her, i already forgot her name i just i finished breaking bad like 20 minutes ago <laughs> and i forgot that lady's name the stevia lady i didn't like her very much and todd's nazi family felt pretty cliche but todd todd's a good villain so maybe it would have worked out with hannibal season four and maybe it will in the future you know yeah i mean i i feel confident if like all the same writers already came back they could definitely put something together that would be really good yeah so i got addicted to terraria and i got really far in it like i beat most of the bosses and then i got to the point where i could fight the new boss moon lord but he's not in the switch version yet so i just kind of got to wait until they update it to, to <laughs> add in moon lord so terraria that's on ice for now i restarted this game i really like called chasm and it's funny because like, there's so many Metroidvanias on Switch that are in the, the store page. They're like, yo, we're inspired by Symphony of the Night. And then Chasm is just sitting there, and it's just a literally Symphony of the Night game. <laughs> like, the animations are incredible, but the way the main character swings his sword is very similar to Alucard. And it's this game where you're like a knight, I guess, and you get sent to this town where all these people have gone missing, and there's this well in the middle and you just basically go deeper and deeper and deeper and you're finding all the townspeople and every biome you unlock a room very early on in it that teleports you back to this hub room that then can get you back to the town so all the people you're rescuing have different jobs like you know blacksmith and yada yada right so they give you side quests it's a really good exploration based game and it's procedurally generated and people bitch about that but it's I hate procedurally generated games a lot. I think that's like lazy and stupid and it never really works. This game 
you don't, I wouldn't notice it if they didn't point it out, if other people didn't point it out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what people are complaining about, but that game's really good. It's on Switch. I think it's like ten bucks too. It's made by one guy. There's this dude named Dan Dan Edelman who finds these like tiny indie games made by one person, like Axiom Verge, and publishes them himself. He does these really cool things, like where he said, "Okay, I'm publishing Axiom Verge." Uh, this game will not go on sale for the first year it's released. So if you want it, buy it. If you want it on sale, you're going to be waiting at least over a year. So I, I thought that was really cool, like letting people know. Yeah, that's especially cool when it's a small team like that Yeah. to, to reward them for all their effort. Yeah, and then what else? We, we both got pretty heavy into Destiny, grinding out the new season. Um, that's been really fun. I think this is the first season that's really actually hit its stride because I've started all of them, and every season introduces this new pve event and this is the first one that i think is legitimately fun it's called contact and it's tying into the story which i think is much cooler like last season they did the rasputin bunkers which was a very similar event called uh it was like for this company called seventh seraph or something and then it all culminated with rasputin blowing up this massive ship in the sky but that event was pretty funny because it took over a half hour for everything to happen in it. Mm. So people were just standing around watching like <laughs> this stuff in slow motion. So they're figuring it out. This season's been great so far by comparison. And I think they're building a slang cool. Yeah. I like the addition of, uh, so like the new type we're assuming that they're adding to destiny, they're going to come in those little triangle ships. And so first it just started like placing the icons around the map and like on top of planets and now they're like, if you visit those planets, they're actively flying around in the sky and doing stuff. So it's just cool, like, world building that I didn't really expect to see from Destiny. Yeah, and I think they've been teasing those ships since Destiny 1. And I know after you beat the original Destiny 2 story, the Red Dawn thing, the after credit scene was a pyramid ship like that, just floating. So they've been teasing those for a long time. And then... Uh, Res Putin just like peaced out. He was like, "Yo, I'm done." <laughs> Bye. The three-legged dog in the apartment above me is howling. <laughs> so hopefully you guys can't hear that. Do you hear it? I thought it was a police car. Three-legged Chihuahua lives upstairs. <laughs> but speaking of police cars, I was playing Destiny last weekend, and I have a high-traffic road outside my house, and there's a lot of people who just take the corner way too fast. So you hear like like a lot and every time i'm like oh man is this the is this it where i'm gonna hear like at the end of it and it finally happened so i like ran outside i was like oh man and this guy took a corner too hard and hit the person who was going around the corner slower and then they started fighting each other and people (laughs) ran up and had to break it up and everything (laughs) so that was really exciting that was that was great uh I, I wasn't playing with you. I wish I was at the time because you would have laughed your fucking ass <laughs> off. Because <laughs> I just took my headset off like mid game and ran outside because I've been I've been waiting for this to happen for like four years. Because I moved around the corner. You're just like, when's the, the shoe going to drop? You're just waiting for it to yes. happen. <laughs> and it's seriously like once a week I hear this tire screeching and I'm like, they're never going to be going fast enough to die or be severely injured. So I'm like, okay. Okay, like this is today the day. You're just waiting for that minor fender bender that you can go watch. Yeah, and it's only happened this one time. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. One time in four years is 
pretty good track yeah. record, depending on how you look at it. Bad track record <laughs> if you want to see the accidents, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like people take this corner so fast that I've almost gotten hit a couple times. And I swear to God, if I end up getting like hit, I will file a civil suit. I'm not above that. <laughs> I will consider it a payday. But the other game we've been playing is Death Stranding, which finally came out on PC. I was all in. I was like, I'm going to buy the shit out of this. I'm committing to waiting for PC. I want this game. I love Kojima. I like games that have different types of emergent gameplay. Like, I'm th- I'm in. And then you were on the fence, but you ultimately decided to buy it. So how are you feeling about it now that you've played some? Yeah, so I'm about two hours in. Uh, I'm in, like, the beginning of the third chapter. And honestly, I really like it. I've been enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, the story is absolutely bizarre in the best way possible because it's a Kojima game. Um, the quote unquote America, which looks nothing like America is a really fun landscape to traverse, which is weird to say because the game so far is literally just a walking sim where you like scan the environment and some people leave stuff like ladders or ropes to help you climb mountains and you know you get like little tools on the way and stuff and you deliver packages so it's it's not something that traditionally i would assume i would be into but so far i've delivered a few packages i've seen a little bit of how the story is playing out and to me like the moment that made me kind of sit back and be like okay i think i really like this game was uh when you're delivering the first like big package and you're taking it to the uh incinerator and as you're walking down the road like the camera kind of zooms out and music starts playing and you're just like kind of soaking in the environment and like planning your route, like thinking about how you're going to do stuff and just kind of looking around and soaking it all in. And I was like, this is something so unique that I've like never really experienced and I didn't know I would like or that I wanted. And now that I'm doing it, I really like it. I really like it too. I haven't gotten any of the combat. I know what's in the game because I watched videos on it and there's like a bolo gun and you can throw pee poo grenades. You gotta have the pee pee poo poo grenades for the, yeah, the evil guys. You can pee, did you notice you can pee on command? Yeah. I, I already urinated. Don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> the whole inciting incident is really cool. The, cause the, the whole thing where bodies like dead bodies are nuclear bombs. Essentially they cause like massive explosions. Uh, I think that's really cool. And there's a massive monster. This game is definitely also Cthulhu-inspired in some way. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a lot of Lovecraftian style. Uh, Like, just in tone, it's super ominous. The monsters are things that you can't see, which is very Lovecraft. Uh, It is just very, very much that, like, extra weirdness level, which I'm really digging. The soundtrack so far is awesome. I knew it was because... Kojima put out um, like a Spotify playlist of all the songs in the game. And that's kind of what inspired me. I was like, oh, okay, I really want this. So I like when the camera pulls back a lot and you just get to listen to music while you're walking. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I love that. The guys you fight, they're called mules. And they're... So Sam, the main character, is a porter, which he's basically an Amazon guy. And mules are former porters who just need something to do so badly that they will steal packages from other porters and deliver them themselves 
Like, that's their whole lore. <laughs> and those are who you fight at some point in the game. And then, obviously, you can fight the BTs, which are the big ghosts. It really is bothering to me that they all have human hands for feet. The human hands for feet is creepy. And the creepy baby that you have in your chest. He's not that yeah. creepy, honestly. He's kind of cute. I, I sort of love BB. I have a real one. I got the <laughs> I got the collector's edition. It goes on sale. So if you want the collector's edition, it's always on sale for 60 bucks at Best Buy. But then you'll just have a PS4 copy of the game. Well, I might pull the trigger. Because honestly, after playing the game for a few hours, I'm like, you know what? I thought BB was going to be insanely creepy to me. But I actually kind of love him. Well, because he behaves like a like a conscious human and not a baby. Exactly. Which makes him a little less creepy. But you get you get one of uh, the carrying cases, like the pelican cases, and then you get the tape, the like tape that the that Sam uses to close it that says his company on it and stuff. Oh, nice! So you can t- you can like tape close the box and like cut it so it looks all cool. Was- I also really want a T-shirt with the Bridges logo on it. Yeah, the Bridges thing is cool, and the. Just, like, the overarching plot of, like, reconnecting America through these, like, dispersed locations around the map is just kind of interesting. Like, that's a cool overarching plot to work towards. Have you encountered any celebrities yet? No, I haven't. I know Conan O'Brien is one of the people. Oh, really? Who's, yeah, who's at one of these, like, the places you go to. And Nicholas Winding Refn, the guy who did Drive, he's in one of them. There's, like, tons of celebrities they have small cameos in the, in the game. <laughs> and did you notice that Margaret Qualley is a, is the character Mama? It's the girl from fucking uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. The You're the blind one girl. She's Mama. She's the one who has she has her hair pulled back and she's wearing glasses and she's got the orange pants. You see her really early on oh, in the game. I don't I don't know if I recognized her. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look it up after the podcast. Yeah. Now now you're gonna see it. Yeah. You're gonna be like, oh shit. Because <laughs> she. Cause she, uh, she she takes in pa- the first package you bring to the uh oh, before you take okay. the president's body. Okay, yeah. I think I think I know what character you're talking about, but I didn't Yeah. I saw her name in the like opening credits, but I didn't put two and two together that that was the character she was portraying. Yeah, she didn't really get billing and she wasn't in the intro credits I don't think at once upon a time in Hollywood, so and and that movie's so big that she's a minor character who just stands out. Right. So like, why would you know her name? And then uh, there was one other thing I thought was kind of cool. Obviously, having Nor- Norman Reedus as the main character. I don't think people <laughs> really... Like, understand the weight of that? That there's, like, a real actor as the main character? Not only that, Mads Mikkelsen is, like, I guess the villain. Like, he's... I can't tell. Do you think he's the villain? I know Troy Baker is a villain. Yeah. Troy Baker's the guy... Who runs the terrorists? So we were talking about the the nuclear dead bodies a few minutes ago. The Troy Baker runs a terrorist organization that will like kill people and then chuck their bodies near cities so that they'll nuke cities, basically. <laughs> just just to be assholes. Just to... Yeah, Troy Baker looks so cool, and he does the os- The first time you see Troy Baker's character, he does the ocelot. Yeah, he does. Or you're like, it's like what? It's just a Metal Gear game. <laughs> Um, and even like the menu text is the same as Metal Gear Solid Five. It's it's very structured, similar to Metal Gear Five. Yeah, I mean the the map feels a lot like the map in uh, Phantom Pain. Like there's definitely some Metal Gear Solid crossover, but I think that's just because you know it's Kojima. So I'd like to see this grow into a franchise that has more to it, like combat and everything, like real 
like real combat right like make it more and you like expand it to like other aspects of this world like there's porters but there's also like something else that's maybe more combat focused or something like that yeah i'd love to see the metal gear solid 3 version of this because it's very similarly structured but i feel like it could have a little more to do but the world is so good also for the first game that's ever come out that requires a direct x12 compatible graphics card that made me really nervous when i saw that but it runs great i got a little bit of stuttering in the first cutscene, and that's it yeah i've had definitely a few dips in cutscenes, but uh actual gameplay has been pretty rock solid for me uh, there's new drivers for it that really help oh maybe i'll just download those that game's pretty great so far i think it was worth the wait and I was like kind of nervous that it was coming out this week, right? Because Ghost of Tsushima is coming out this week. And I was like, man, I don't know. I really love Sucker Punch, right? Because Infamous, all the Infamous games are some of my favorite games of all time. And I don't think Sucker Punch can really do any wrong. But it just looked like the Japanese Assassin's Creed that Ubisoft decided they were never going to make to me. And now that I've seen reviews, that's what it looks like the game is. Yeah, when I've, when I've seen people say that, oh, yeah... It, you know, basically adopts that Ubisoft format of go to the tower, find the area, box check, do all the side stuff, do the missions, all that. That's just like, I'm, I've am i been so over that whole style of game for a while now. So that game, I'm, I'm really like not that interested in. It's You know what it really was? Breath of the Wild did it perfectly. And every game since then has just felt subpar. Just like the towers thing. That's the game that kind of killed it for me. Yeah. Because those were fun. They were like actual interesting puzzles to do the towers. And they kind of gated you based on what you had. So you could really do any of them in any order. You could also ignore them completely because there was a fog of war effect. Where if you went to the area, it would still fill out the map if you were running around. Mm -hmm. But that game is legitimately perfect to me. So that game just kind of killed it. just that whole vibe (laughs) it kind of kills anything that yeah tries to do the same formula ubisoft ruined it for a while and then they just closed the book on it yeah exactly and then paper mario comes out this friday i love paper mario it's just a great series all around that like not a lot of people talk about paper mario for some reason because there's a lot of people there's a lot of those like gamers with a capital g who are like oh this is a thousand year door i don't want to play it and then they like bully people who like the newer ones but I thought Sticker Star was pretty fun, and this one looks like a mix between Thousand Year Door and Sticker Star, so I'll probably get that. I just like the way all the characters in Paper Mario look a lot. Yeah, I've never played any Paper Mario game, so I don't know if this is the one to jump on or if I should go back and play the old ones. They're all like completely standalone, and this one's a th- this one's like a RPG with a battle system. Yeah, the only Mario RPG I played was. Uh... Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story, something like that. Uh, that game was awesome. Would, yeah, I wish they would remaster that. That game was one of the... That's That might be the best DS game. Not 3DS, just DS. It might be. It's definitely up there. That, that, that was like a AAA experience. Yeah. I'd have to look at the full catalog of DS games, but to me, that one is definitely one that has stood the test of time as one of my favorites. That studio shut down, which sucks. Like... The, it was a it was a second party series where nintendo didn't own the studio that was making the games mm-hmm. and th- for some reason they were they instead of porting those games to switch they ported bowser's inside story and then the other one with the 
it was like time travel and had the baby versions and the big versions of Mario and Luigi. Uh, they ported those to 3DS like a, a year ago. <laughs> and obviously those didn't sell very well. Yeah, it seems like a poor business decision. But... Yeah, in hindsight, it seems poor. But like you think about it, they're, if they were hurting for cash, I, I feel like to them, 3DS looked like a better option because there are X amount of 3DSs out there and there are only Y amount of Switches. But I still think at the end of the day, those games would have sold much better on Switch. A console which is kind of hurting for first-party games right now, if you really think about it. Yeah, and is completely selling out you know selling out everywhere like everybody has a switch now so if- yeah so i hope nintendo remasters those for switch because those are really good but i doubt they will since they never resurface anything good <laughs> that people actually want remember those rumors a couple months ago that they were doing like every mario game for switch what the hell happened to that you know <laughs> i have no idea it's hard to tell with nintendo what they're actually going to do we've been waiting for that metroid prime Remaster I know. I was forever. just gonna say Metroid Prime Four. What the hell happened there? Yeah. Like, they restarted the game. Over at Retro, they were like, "Yeah, we didn't do a good enough job, so we're having Retro make it." <laughs> I mean, it's just it's ridiculous how many games like how long it takes between games, and you know how many games are kind of announced and then forgot about. So, I don't know. Yeah, and like it's hard it's, to track what they're actually coming out with. Sony releasing Ghost of Tsushima a month. Is it less than a month? When did Last of Us come out? Mm. What was the release date? June 17th? Maybe. I think it was like even later than that. So well, it's like I, less than a month To later. be fair, I mean, originally it was supposed to come out like two months ago. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But then just delay Ghost of Tsushima and call it a PS5 game, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, a couple yeah. months? Especially because like Sucker Punch makes what? The launch title and then the last game that anyone's ever going to play on a PS4? Like... Pretty. yeah dude so that that was another problem i had with it it's like you you take six years to make an open world box checker <laughs> yeah if it was something like revolutionary something that was like a real like closed the book on the ps4 and like really pushed it to its limits one last time like last of us 2 did um that would be a different story but the fact that it's just a you know samurai assassin's creed game really does does nothing for me also i just looked up the last of us 2 that came out june 19th which is so less than a month later, we're getting a triple A open world game from Sony. And I was just going to say, Ben Studio gets a pass on Days Gone kind of being, uh, you know, an open world box checker because all of the side stuff actually played into the story and it made the world actually more fun to be in. Like when you would clear out a horde, you saw tangible changes to the world and you would get much better weapons for that stuff. So it's like, okay, cool. Because that game's leveling system was bizarre. I don't know if you remember. There's multiple camps in this world. And you have a different level in each camp. And based on what level you're at, they'll sell you different items. And you have a currency. Yeah, it's like an affinity ranking, basically. Yeah, so you have a currency for each camp. And you the way to really earn the currency is every time you kill a Freaker, you walk over and you pick up its ear. And ears are worth X amount. And then if you get an ear off a bigger one, it's worth like Y amount, right? It's worth more. Yeah. So after you would clear out a horde, which there are a finite number of, you'd have a ton of ears, which are worth a ton of experience and uh, currency. So you'd have to pick and choose between the different camps, which ones you wanted to dump all those ears into to level them up. It's like, that makes sense. Also, they only made PSP games and Vita games before that, except for Siphon Filter. So... They get a pass. Sucker Punch, I'd like to see more from than open world Sekiro. Yeah, definitely. 
okay, I need to play that game tonight, and I also <laughs> need to edit this podcast. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Do you have anything uh, you want to tell no, our audience? I think, uh, I think we pretty much covered it. All right. Catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.